Earlier this year, I was talking with Sarah Pereira, who used to serve on staff here. Many of you know her. And she told me about an interaction that she had with one of our children in Sunday school as they discussed the story of the Annunciation. So Sarah mentioned to the children that the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, the Lord be with you. And then the angel tells Mary not to be afraid, that she's going to be with child, that this child will, in fact, be a great king. But then Sarah asked the children, and what was Mary's response? To which one of our children answered, well, that's easy, and also with you. (laughs) Now, (laughs) it's adorable and funny, but not true. May it be to me would have been the right answer, or how can this be since I am a virgin for bonus points, but probably not age appropriate. Nevertheless, her answer is definitely something that an Episcopalian would say. The Episcopal Church is, how should I say this? We're not famous for our scriptural knowledge. We're not typically described as people of the book. The Baptists are the one ones who are good with scripture, right? We, we do liturgy really well. But this really is not our story, or at least it shouldn't be. We must hold on to the centrality and the authority of scripture precisely as the people of God and as Episcopalians. You see, all I really want to say this morning is that if we do not know the script, we will not know the script writer. We're not very well. But the Bible is daunting, isn't it? Trying to read the Bible can sometimes feel like trying to sing a song by Whitney Houston. Every time I join into, and I will always love you, I quickly realize that I don't really have the chops to hang with those high notes. And many of us feel this way with regards to scripture. Where do I even begin? I I don't have the chops. The way to learn how to sing is to start singing. To sing alone in the closet or the shower Well, the way to read the Bible is to start reading, probably not in the shower, but likewise to do it alone, yes, and especially in community. Our epistle and our psalm today remind us that all of us as disciples of Jesus are to be rooted in sacred scripture, for sacred scripture is where we hear the song of Christ and learn how to sing along, even amidst other songs that beckon for our attention and our affection, our worship. Some years ago, Teresa and I attended a musical called Wicked, which is a postmodern flipping of the script of The Wizard of Oz, and it turns the witch into the hero and tells her side of the story. Perhaps some of you have seen it. And so the musical began with those weird and scary flying monkeys, and the music was dark and the lights were low, but then the entire play stopped due to a glitch with the lighting. Scary monkeys switched back into normal, upright people who, in their confusion, walked off stage totally out of character. It was very strange and bizarre. The only thing that made it more bizarre was they restarted the play, and it happened two more times. The same glitch, the same response, an upset crowd. Eventually, they worked out the glitches. The music went on, and we were swept up into the story and the song. For many of us, reading the Bible is this way. We've tried to enter into the story, but there are just too many challenges, including outside factors that 
keep us from engaging it. Busy jobs, traveling youth sports, Breaking Bad, Netflix, and more. Or the characters are just hard to connect with. Are they? Well, similarly, outside forces are bringing peril into the lives of the early disciples in 2 Timothy. And so Paul points them back to hearing the gospel song of Christ, to singing the same beautiful song of Jesus. Even, by the way, as Paul himself sings this from his own prison cell in Rome. How does he encourage them to hear the song of Christ amid these other siren songs around them? Precisely by pointing them to sacred scripture. I wonder if our psalm for today was somewhere in the back of his mind. How sweet are your words to my taste. They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Paul is encouraging Timothy and others and us to remain faithful to the orthodox belief about Jesus Christ, and to do so by meditating on the sacred scriptures. These sacred scriptures, Paul writes, are able to instruct you for salvation through Jesus Christ. Paul knows this because it is his own story, but more importantly, it is the story of his savior, Jesus. The great British philosopher, Alistair McIntyre, says that we can only know what we are to do in life once we know of what story we are a part. Paul knows that Jesus knew of which story he was a part, the story of being God's beloved. And so when in the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted by the siren songs of Satan, he knew which song to sing instead. Sacred scripture, it nourished him and its truthfulness cut through the lies of the enemy who sought to convince him to find his identity elsewhere in what he can do, or in what he has, or what others say about him. And so we see in that account, Jesus speak an unambiguous word about his identity. I am not what I do, or what I have, or what others say about me. I am God's beloved, and I don't need to buy into those lies offered to me. In other words, he knows the script writer and the script such that he is able to improvise his singing in the face of temptation. He's able to sing faithfully the song of scripture, even under duress. And Paul himself knows this too now in prison and has this in mind for Timothy. And to be clear, this is why scripture is at the heart of everything that we do as Christians or should be, because God works through it to help us know the capital T truth at the bottom of all reality. And so we need to be marinated in scripture. And so do our kids, for that matter. The New York Times recently read an article called Turn the Page, Spur the Brain that presented empirical findings showing that reading to children, even infants, was a crucial act for brain development. They found that exposing children to a video or a picture short-circuited the child's imagination. But one expert said, in this case, they're not having to imagine the story. It's just being fed to them. And another pointed out that children who were exposed to reading showed significantly more activity in the areas of the brain that process visual association, even though the child was listening to a story and couldn't see any pictures. In short... Verbal communication makes your mind and your heart do the work of grasping and imagining the story for yourself 
And so this simple article about reading to children supports an ancient understanding about the power of the word to capture our hearts and to soak them in the truth in a way that nothing else can. So it makes sense when we read, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 4.6, we see this in full display that we can right now, by faith, behold the glory of Christ. The same Christ who walked the road and died on the cross and rose again and who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And this beholding is linked to the Spirit's work in our hearts as the Word of God is read and heard. And it's not that God doesn't speak to us in other ways, of course, but Scripture is the governor switch on what we hear to discerning how God might be moving in our lives. So the Presbyterian pastor, Tim Keller, wrote once that for years, I thought that God could be active in my life through the Spirit and that the Bible was simply a book I had to obey if God was going to come in. I now realize, he concludes, that the Bible is the way that through the Spirit, primarily God is active in my life. As the saying goes, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Why? Because as we learn Scripture... We do nothing less than know the living Christ. We learn that Christ is the true fulfillment of the law, the Son of God who perfectly lives the good life, that Christ is the true tabernacle, the meeting place of God and man. Christ is the true sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christ is the true priest, the go-between who carries us to God. Christ is the true Joshua, bringing us into God's promised rest. He is the true king, the righteous ruler who fights for our freedom. And finally, Christ is the true land, the dwelling place of God, who invites us home just like the prodigal son. You see, God calls us to himself, but not just in some abstract way, but to know him precisely in and through scripture. The script writer having stepped into the story through Christ, invites us to step back into the script, to inhabit it, to let it inhabit our hearts so that we might act on the biblical stage, even as awkward as it might be at first. So, we don't read the Bible just really to get knowledge or wisdom or life coaching, or trivia and answers for life's questions, although we might get that to some degree. But we read the Bible to know Christ. The sacred words point us to the word. And so it makes sense that we will feel disconnected from God and Christ if we are never connected to the story of Scripture. If we do not know the script, we will not know the script writer. My goal today has been simple but foundational, just to encourage you and me to engage Scripture anew, to read the Bible. Augustine read the Bible and was freed from the bonds of lustful addiction into sainthood. After being wounded in battle, Ignatius of Loyola read the Bible and was transformed from an arrogant and reckless soldier to the founder of a movement known for peace and education. William Wilberforce read the Bible and led a revolution to abolish the slave trade. Mother Teresa read the Bible and gave her life to caring 
for the poorest of the poor. And although I am in a much different class than those already named, trust me, I read the Bible. And it changed and is still changing my life, helping me understand that my story is not rooted first or even finally in what I do or what I have or what others say about me. My story is God's story, the gospel, because he has made me his own in Christ. I wonder what will happen as you read the Bible. I can't wait to see.